You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Well, hello and welcome to TFM's local watering hole. And I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing. And I'm so excited to have back with me the one, the only, Christy Morris. Christy, how are you doing today? Well, it is the night before my birth as of the day we're recording this. So, kind of a big deal. Yes. I mean, <laughs> and what better way to celebrate than having watched eight episodes full of Henry Cavill. My favorite. Exactly. You're welcome. Happy birthday. Thank you. Love the gift. <laughs> well, we are going to be talking about Witcher Season 3, which, uh, as everybody knows, wraps up Henry Cavill's time as the Witcher. Um, before we dive into talking about everything... You can find us wherever podcasts can be had. Of course, you're listening, so please just subscribe wherever that is. That way you'll get the shows as soon as they drop. Uh, we would love to interact with you in, in social media. We're on Twitter at The 602 Club. We're also on Instagram at The 602 Club TFM. So please interact with Christy and I in both of those places. We're also on Facebook with the entire network on Facebook.com slash TrekFM. There's a listeners-only discussion group you can join there on Facebook called the Babel Conference. Uh, dive into discussions with people from all over the world. You can also go to the website at trek.fm and see all of the shows that we have coming for you each and every week. And last but not least, uh, you can go over to Patreon at patreon.com slash trek.fm and become part of our team and make sure that all of the shows that we're doing here keep coming to you. It's Pretty expensive to do this, and without listeners just like you, we can't. And so go to patreon.com slash trek.fm and become part of our team. So, Christy, it's actually, you know, kind of been a while uh, since we have had a uh, a Witcher episode. Um, so the, the previous season came out in 2021 in December, mm-hmm. and season three didn't start till 2023 at the end of June. And so I wanted to ask you how you felt kind of coming into the season, um, just because there's always, you know, so much going on with this show. There's so many different places. There's so many different names. Uh, and, you know, unlike something like, I think, you know, a Lord of the Rings or, you know, I mean, gosh, even a Star Wars or whatever, where you kind of have a sense of place and space, you know, like I, this is one of those shows where I don't necessarily feel like I have that. And so um, coming into it, did you, were you able to just catch right back up and, and pick up where we left off? Or did you have to go back and do a little research <laughs> to figure out, you know, where we were? So... I think I'll preface it with, I think that this style is something that Netflix decided to go with through every season so far of nonlinear storytelling. 
And that's clear, especially in things like episode five of this season or the first episode of the first season, you know, um, where they jump back and forth between the past and the present and the future. Um, But here, I think you're exactly right with saying that coming into the third season, there is something missing, even if you've been steeped in it and recently done a rewatch. You need a little bit more to update you on a reminder of all the names other than the Witcher, Siri, and Yennefer, um, because there are so many and they're very complicated names like Philavandral or Tessaia, you know, and you don't always remember who's with what kingdom and who has a coup with who. And, you know, it's it is a lot to remember. So I think that they did need to do some kind of um, title card or something, you know, like a last season recap kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's something that, you know, because I, I was uh, the, the reason I asked is, is honestly, I did feel uh, not necessarily lost, but just this sense of that there's a lot to remember. And again, you know, I haven't watched the second season since it came out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and, and we covered that season. And, and so it's been a long time since I've been in this world. And I think. If I were to go back to our previous episodes, I actually think we've called for them to do this before, which is that I think the season needed a prologue um, to actually kind of work it into the show, um, you know, in in the sense of it, not just a previously on, which they could have done that too, but a prologue that just basically moves throughout the continent gives you the the spatial understanding of the continent because there are very few times when they actually even show you a map of this place and they're talking about the northern kingdoms and the southern kingdoms and all you know Mm -hmm. and you know if you're unless you know this world because you're steeped in the books and you poured over maps that are online and stuff you don't have a good idea of where things are and what these kingdoms are and all of these things. And so I, I just really feel as though if we had started with a prologue that did a good job of setting the the pieces on the board, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you could have even done it that way, right? Where you uh, have this like, you know, nicely done um, CGI map uh, and you're, you're, visiting different places on the map, you know, and it's telling you and reminding you what's going on in that place. You like know? the Almost intro to Game if, of Thrones. Like, kind <laughs> of. Um, but I was even thinking you could have Yaskir kind of narrating, you mm-hmm. know, the story so far kind of thing, you know. Um, as a bard would yes, do. It, yeah, exactly. And so it, it just feels as though... That would have been something that would have been really nice to have for the season so that we could catch up on everything that's going on and remember everything that's going on. Because like you mentioned, too, these plots are are pretty intricate and and there's a lot happening. Um, and like you said, too, the, the names in this series don't roll off the tongue. Right. <laughs> They're not easy names to to just remember. Uh, and. And and again, I, I think unless you had been somebody who has read these books, 
and you're not really going to. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really think this show could have could have used that um, to to help us feel a little bit more comfortable coming back into the show. And the, I mean, the other part of this is just that you know when seasons of a show are years apart from one another, that's very difficult. You know, one year maybe. Two years, that's a lot. You know, three years, it's, it's you know. And, and I know season one and season two and season three have all had the same amount of years between them. I just think it's it's too long. Um, and, you know, that's the problem, I think, of, of making television is that you, know, you have this long-form storytelling. And yet, if you spend too much time away from it, you know, but we're all watching other things. We're all doing other things. And, you know, we most likely don't have the ability to go back and easily just rewatch a whole other season of television with everything else that's going in our lives. So mm-hmm. it, I feel like it's incumbent upon any of these, uh, you know, streamers, networks, whatever, to help the audience get back into, you know, okay, what's happening in this story? Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. So, um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit to you to, uh, uh, one of the things that I think I really enjoyed about this season is the, the family dynamic that we get with Yennefer and Geralt and Ciri, uh, you know, they've spent these three seasons and, you know, by the time we get to this one, we've created this this family. Uh, and by the middle of the season, they, they really are kind of, they, they feel like this family. Um, with their travels together, you know, Jennifer being finally forgiven by Geralt. Uh, and in many ways, she's gotten the child that she wanted. Uh, and Geralt finally has something to believe in, you know. And uh, to me, in all honesty, I just feel like their relationship and everything about their interactions is absolutely the best part of the show. Mm-hmm. Well, I I will agree. It's a beautiful part of it. I don't know if it's my number one favorite part of it, but it's really nice to see that all three of their stories have finally come together in a way that makes sense. And also that they're in a better place now than they were before. You know, Geralt really had to come around to Siri being a part of his life. Originally, he also had to, determine whether or not his feelings for Yennefer were real or were just the gin affecting him. Um, and Yennefer had to finally realize who she is and let go of her lust for power. And she mm-hmm. was never going to right. be able to be in a relationship or to be a mother with all of that selfishness and lust for power. So she really kind of had to start completely over in life and become a humble and um, giving person in order to be in the right mindset for this to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the reason that for me that this is the best part is that I felt like, especially for Geralt's character and for Henry Cavill, is that these two relationships have finally allowed him to be a much more dynamic character. Yeah. In his portrayal, you know, it's given him a lot more to play with. Um, you know, he's he's gotten to have more humor. He's gotten to have, um, you know, 
laughter and sadness and like he's getting a lot more to play with emotionally uh with the character because of of these two people and i I think both of them as well are their best on screen when they're you know with him i I think just the, the chemistry between them is is fantastic um but i was just really surprised and and pleasantly surprised by how this season allowed the character of Geralt specifically to kind of become much more than this kind of gruff, uh, you know, monosyllabic character. And loner. You know, uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you said that perfectly, that he, Geralt, also really had a lot of growing to do and that originally his whole personality was that he didn't need anyone he didn't get involved in things and that he was just here to provide a service take his money and leave and he found out that he couldn't sit by and not get involved anymore and that then when you get involved you are essentially picking a side um and also choosing who you care about and so then he's admitting he does care about someone or some people. So, yeah, I mean, it, it it's cool to get him finally having this depth and Henry also getting to do so much more with him. You know, he's a fully formed <laughs> three-dimensional character now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you on that because, I, you know, as you mentioned, one of the things that that further exemplifies this growth with the character is that it's because of his relationship with Yennefer and Ciri uh, and his choice to make them his family, to believe in them completely, um, that he does choose a side. He is willing to choose a side. You know, he, he, he realizes that he can no longer stay neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, he, and, and in many ways, I think this whole season uh, there's there's a there's a lot of this and it, it's it's Geralt, but it's it's other people as well realizing that why they're doing things, you know, um, and um, who they're doing things for. And I think the the interesting thing here is that there are a lot of people who are doing things very selfishly and for selfish motivations and for what they can get out of it. And whereas Geralt is doing this because. He's doing it for those that he loves, those that he believes in, those that he's trying to protect. So he's doing it unselfishly, right? You know, mm-hmm. he, he's doing it um, self-sacrificially. Uh, and I think there, there's there's a nice dichotomy that's happening between a lot of the characters and him specifically um, in that, yeah, you he, he can no longer sit on the sidelines and pretend like it's okay to not pick a side. Mm-hmm. But that he's also not picking a side in the sense of choosing one kingdom over another. That's what I love as well, is that ultimately Geralt is choosing between right and wrong and between, like we've talked about, selflessness versus selfishness. And I love that moment where he's arguing with um, Vilgefort and saying, you know, suddenly my neutrality is really bothering everyone. (laughs) Um, You know, and he's saying like, I I still get to choose what I want to do. And so for him, picking a side is not picking Nilfgaard or Eretuza. It's picking a bigger 
thing than kingdoms. Right, right. No, absolutely. And and I think the the interesting thing for him is that he is doing this um, not out of political motivations, but a, a love of Siri, a love of Yennefer, and uh, the desire to protect as many people as he can. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know his his motivations are driven by those reasons and those reasons alone, really. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something really interesting because, again, that puts him at the opposite side of everybody else who is doing so much of what they're doing out of, you know, political uh, machinations, uh, selfish reasons, um, you know, and playing games with many people's lives, not caring about other people other than themselves or, you know, a certain class of people, you know, all of that. And I think, you know, again... This this is all about him choosing a side, and that side is like you said, it's it's about something higher than these petty things that separate us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love, I really love that about the show and this season. And it's one of the reasons that I think just to kind of exemplify a little bit more of what we were talking about at the beginning. Um, I think that this is the place where it would have helped to have had that recap because it, w- it would have helped remind me going into the series, you know, going into the season, exactly what it was that's happening politically because that plays so big into this. You know, mm-hmm. there are all of these different kingdoms, there are all of these people with their own plans, you know. It's sometimes, you know, when you're naming off all these names and all these people and stuff like that, it it can be hard to remember, okay, oh, yeah, that they, they had that plan with that, per, you know, and like, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah, it, I think that especially, like I was saying in that scene um, with Geralt and um, Vilgefortz, Geralt is ultimately showing that he is for protecting the innocent and um you know about what's right and wrong and not about petty things like you said and and then too i love tying it back to what you said about him fighting specifically for siri the scene in the very last episode where yaskier is telling the other people why Geralt just gets up and keeps going even though he's falling apart is that no one's going to be able to stop him (laughs) that when he cares about something he's going after it until his last breath literally so I love that Yaskier saying he cares more about Siri than anything Mm -hmm. else in the world so there is no stopping him yeah well and I mean I think like we mentioned there's the real beauty in that of that being willing to to give up your own life for the lives of others, you know, mm-hmm. and um, because you love them, you care about them, that that their lives mean more to you. And, but I think on the other side of that, one of the big reasons that Geralt is doing this is that he believes, just as Siri has come to believe about herself, that she can find a new way of doing things. Mm-hmm. that that we can do things differently 
that, you know, the, one of the, the things that we've talked about here is that this series is so full of like warring factions that, you know, are driven by uh, racial hatred and, you know, millennia long blood feuds. And Siri feels like that she may have the power to change all that, to do something different. And that's something that I think is really interesting about this season is it's very much about is everyone just going to keep trying to do the things we've done a million times and expect a different result just because maybe they'll come out on top? Or is somebody willing to stand up and say and help do something different um, and find a different way? Uh, and 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 that's the thing I think that drives Geralt the most is that he truly believes that Siri is their best hope for another way. He's come to believe that through this. Mm-hmm. Like you know, this kid was pawned off on him. He was this is not what he wanted at all. But he's become a true believer in her and and what she could mean for the continent at large. And I think a big part of that too is because she is a mix of human and elven bloodlines. You know, they say she has the elder blood. She's unique. And so both she and Geralt view that as her bargaining chip to be able to prove to all of the kingdoms that it's possible to work together, that she's living proof that people found a way to, you know, work together before because they made a child. (laughs) Um, And so I love that poetry in that whole relationship. Um, And that he sees that Siri also is not, poisoned by the desire for power or anything she has this incredible power that she just doesn't know how to wield yet and that he and Yennefer both see that with some training maybe she could be able to use that for something good and that's why he believes that she could be the change Mm -hmm. kind of thing right and I think, you know, the other cool thing about that, too, is the way that they've been trying to train her. You know, I mean, Geralt has been training her in in kind of the ways of the Witcher almost, Mm -hmm. right? And um, to to learn to do things for herself. She's able to fight. She's able to hunt. She's she's not treated like a princess. Right. She's learning to do the things that anybody would need to do to be able to survive, you know, um, learning to hone her magic and and all of those things. And and really – I think uh, helping her to, to, to be a fully rounded person, you know, um, because many of the kings and, and, and people in power that we see here in this show are so driven by their own desire to keep their own power and solidify it, um, regardless of the cost to anybody else. You know, I, I think the beauty here is that um, Siri has been trained by Geralt specifically and then with Yennefer now is to um, be able to see herself beyond her chosenness, you know, like chosen oneness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's there's something really interesting uh, in that. And I think it goes to show that you know, if if we want to, um, you know, find a new way to do things, 
what that does take is is for people to not be in some sort of uh, ivory tower, you know, but to truly understand what life is like on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if you want to be able to make a difference, you have to kind of understand what life is like for everyone, not just an elite few. Well, yeah, and, and to go along further with that, too, he taught her not to be helpless like a lot of royalty is. Right. Yes. They depend on their armies to defend them and their advisors to inform them on strategy and never really have to do something themselves because they have people for that. And she, from the very beginning, right. is abandoned because rightfully so. I mean, her family was using their lives to save her life. And, you know, maybe um, or not maybe they wanted to protect her. So they got her, you know, safe as, or so they thought. Um, and then she was alone because all her family died. Mm-hmm. Right. So she was defenseless. And so Geralt, once he found out about her and built this relationship with her, didn't want her to be defenseless anymore and knew that there wouldn't always necessarily be someone there to protect her, that she mm-hmm. would have to be self-sufficient. Um, and so I love that aspect too. Um, and I wanted to ask you um, if you felt that series journey toward the end of this season reminded you at all, like it kind of did me of Anakin's story in Star Wars, because she is kind of this chosen one. Um, mm-hmm. And she has this moment of decision where she starts to experiment with fire magic and it mm-hmm. does very much feel like her deciding whether or not to give in to the dark side. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because the penultimate episode of this season is basically what I like to call the last temptation of Siri. <laughs> right. Uh, and it it is very much about her coming to the very end of herself. And I think that the valid question is left for us much the same way that um, Return of the Jedi starts with, you know, Luke Skywalker wearing black, coming in, choking people. Uh, and we're like, whoa, is, is, is this not good? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, and... I think we're kind like you said we are kind of left with that is is she truly choosing the dark side um of magic or is she utilizing you know um this name at the end of you know a famous elven princess who killed you know her family and went crazy basically uh because it allows her the anonymity to be able to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think it's a it's a really good question by the end. Um, and, I mean, I think it's one of the things to which the rest of the series will obviously answer. And it's one of the biggest things that kind of leads you to want to, I think, watch like a, another season is to see where she goes as a character. Mm-hmm. Um and so I, what did you think of it? Did you take it that she was, you know, choosing the dark side or do you think that she's still on basically the knife's edge of, of which way to go? To me, we've seen a few times that she does end up choosing the side of good 
and to use power as a tool that can go either good or bad and that she's ultimately choosing to use it for good. So I think ultimately she is going to use this sort of, as you said, as a a way to have some um, anonymity to be able to do things that she needs to, but for a good purpose or for the ultimate ends she's trying to get to, to be for good. Um, Because even though she has that scene where she is being consumed, starting to be consumed by the fire and is having Falca's ghost almost in her head, telling her what to do and what's motivating her. She still softens and says, I can't do this. I relinquish my power. And that's the one thing that Yennefer couldn't do. Right. She didn't yeah. want to relinquish the power ever. She was willing to die for it. So to me, that's mm-hmm. the big sign that Siri made the choice when she was confronted with a yes or a no. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a, a to me, that is also how I read it. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I I believe that that that's where they're going to end up going with this character. And of course, this comes from somebody who I don't know um you know, where the rest of the story goes. I, I haven't read um, but one of the books, so um, I don't really have any idea, and I haven't played the games either, so I, I really don't know. Um, but I, and two, you know, I think that would actually make a uh, a better story anyway, because I, when you, you know, when you mentioned the uh, the, the idea We've seen this before, specifically in calling out like something like Anakin. You know, I think that um, it would behoove them to do something different, you know, mm-hmm. um, basically have her have her temptations and uh, to be able to make it past them in a way that her mentors have not been able to do, like you mentioned, um, specifically Yennefer. And so I, I think that would be a much more interesting story. But that raises a question for me because I know um, something that uh, you and I were kind of discussing before we started recording and you were talking about, and I know that this has been the case because obviously it's one of the things that's led Henry Cavill to leave the show. Um, and that is the way that this is straying from the source material. Mm-hmm. And obviously that was something that was pretty commonly publicized as the reason Henry is leaving. Right. So we were aware of that, even though I haven't read any of the books and you've read the first book, Um, you know, through doing some research on different articles that people who have read the books have said, there are um, some statements that this season is more true to the source material than season two was, but that there were still some big choices made that make it different. Um, And I just wanted to highlight the key ones. One, for example, is that actually in the books, apparently, um, Radovid in the books is actually Vizimir's son, not his brother. Mm, Interesting. Which adds a whole other dynamic to how this story would play out for him to then become king Mm -hmm. of Redania. So, yeah, yeah, that's very, interesting. that was huge to me. <laughs> I was like, that, that's a pretty big change <laughs> mm-hmm. because it would make sense for someone's son to then become 
the heir. That's just how it usually works right. with royalty. Yeah. Um, but f- the brother, it just, um, it does make it different. And especially when, you know, it, the way that they wrote him in this the show is that he was literally about to leave town. <laughs> right. And now yeah, had that's, this. It seems like a very strange choice as to, like, I, I, a big question that I have is, like, why? Right. Like, why? why would you make that change? What's the point of making that change? Because it doesn't really seem like. It seems like it only makes the story more interesting to have him be the son mm-hmm. than to be his brother um, than not. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also the relationship between Radovid and Yaskier. Um, oh, they just created that for the mm-hmm. show. Yeah, I figured that was the case, um, mainly because it seemed to kind of not jive with what I knew of Yaskier from the other two seasons that we'd seen so far. This seemed to kind of come out of complete left field. They portray um, him as the ultimate and, ladies man. They never portrayed yes. him as being someone that would swing both ways. <laughs> exactly. Um, so. so that did seem very strange to me uh, that that was a choice they made. And it, and it yeah. And, and I, you know, if it had been a change that, that they had, um, created i think since the beginning of the show where you know you have this character who you know like you said swings both ways that would have been different um, and i think would have made you know i wouldn't have judged it in the sense of like it would have made sense for that type of character you right. know a character Not like who's it's a thrown bard, who you know yeah you know and so yeah that just seemed very um off uh, for me, was there anything else that they had kind of done in this season that that was seen as kind of like really taking it away from the storyline? Is this what happens with Siri? Is it is you know is is that stuff true to the story? the The other really big thing actually was that in the books, Geralt and Yennefer don't find out that Vilgefortz is behind all of the plans. That in the books. They fight with him, but they don't know that he's actually leading all of the things happening. Which mm. is a massive difference, because if they didn't know, then, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, right. that changes everything right. after the fact. Right. Yeah, it seems so, as though it's something where they would learn later, I'm guessing. But to to not know that in this moment... um, yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, it does. It does kind of make me want to go in and, uh, you know, read the the books themselves and to see how the story plays out there, because I, I think it would be really interesting. And, and part of that, like one of the things that happens with this series and, and the, especially with this season is that we reset the board in a lot of ways. Um, a lot has changed here in the on the continent. The fact that Eratusa is in ruins, uh, Tesea is dead, the Brotherhood is in shambles, um, Nilfgaard now has a false Ciri, mm-hmm. uh, and, and of course Ciri is separated from Yennefer and Geralt, kind of running around with this group called the rats. Uh, it sounds like a 
you know, 80s group, right. the Rat Pack. <laughs> uh, and, uh, or the Brat Pack. So uh, they, they they would have been the 60s group, the Rat Pack. Sorry. Uh, but, uh, and then, of course, Yennefer being, in, in many ways, kind of to say as um, successor, mm-hmm. you know, um, being the one that now everybody's looking to, uh, you know, for magical leadership. Uh, and so... Yeah, I, how do you how do you feel as this season wraps up with all of these changes coming? Um, and you know, we'll get to the biggest change later. But um, does it feel like this season has left you in a place where you're now looking forward to a, a season four because they've basically burnt a bunch of stuff down, and and now you're interested to see oh how are they going to build this back up again? Mm-hmm. So I. I'm not as intrigued about a next season as I would have hoped to be. I will say the two things it does have going for it, at least, are the Elven Queen. Um, her story is still interesting to me because, you know, she's lost her baby, her husband, and her brother, and she's got a bone to pick. So I am interested to see where that goes. Um, and then, obviously, with Siri, to see if she really does choose to use her power for good or if she ends up letting the the power consume her and her desire for vengeance of all the wrong she's been dealt. Mm-hmm. Um, because she does have this group called the Rats that are seeming more about either lawlessness at the very least or vengeance themselves. They could influence right. her. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that Unfortunately, with having so many things ending up in a shambles, you don't have a huge thread of story to drive you to want to see more. I think those Mm -hmm. two are a little bit weaker than what I would have been looking to see, which is ultimately, you know, where's Yennefer's story going? Where's Geralt's Mm -hmm. story going? Um, And those kind of feel left to the wayside a little. Yeah, I think that I think there are some interesting questions that are left. I think one of the things that makes this difficult for me is it and it has nothing to do with Henry Cavill's exit. It has everything to do with I think that knowing there are most likely, you know, two maybe three years between this and the next season anyway. Biggest part of that is because of the writer's strike that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is delayed everything. And so, therefore, I think that that puts them in a really bad position. So, not only are you losing your star, uh, but you're also losing time. And knowing that we might not get another season for who knows how long. I think that makes that's the thing that actually it's it's a lot of stuff that's actually not in their control mm-hmm. that makes this more difficult for me um, because it makes me wonder if I'm going to care in three years because I, I think there's decent enough storylines that if the season four came out, say, by the end of this year or early next year, yeah, I'd watch it. Mm-hmm. But in like three years, am I still going to care enough? I think that's the thing that I'm running up against. And then I think on top of that, of course, the other reason that is the case 
is because the story is irreparably changed because the relationship between Siri and Yennefer and Geralt is going to be completely different because the character is going to be completely different because it's going to be com- played by somebody completely different. Mm-hmm. And I think I can't then separate the amount of time that I'm a- I'm about to spend away from these characters and everything and where they're left story-wise and that not have something to do with how I feel about the possibility of what's coming next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I'm with you 100%. I think for me, a little bit more on the story side and then not having Henry Cavill back in the role is a bigger factor than the time in between. But that's definitely still a factor that would cause anybody's interest to wane, because especially in a story that's supposed to have fast pacing and a lot of drama you need to not wait too long in between seasons to keep people on edge ready for more. Right. And if you exactly. wait too long, it just naturally dissipates. <laughs> They're like, well, I've moved on at this point, you know, so it, audiences mm-hmm. need something to keep them motivated and interested or else they're just going to drop it. And right. it, it'd be like Black Widow all over again. They finally brought it back and it's like, really? This much later? We don't care anymore. <laughs> hmm. Right. Um, I think that's a actually a really good pull. You 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 know talking about you know Black Widow. Um, you know it, it when you wait too long, you do end up in a place I think where it's hard for an audience to care. And then on top of that, if if then you you take away the thing that people have found themselves invested in. Uh, mainly the character himself and because of who's playing him. Um, yeah, I think, it's a, a, you know, I, I don't think that that's an, an, an unreasonable thing for people to be um, trepidatious about. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I, I think it, it truly is. I think it truly is something that um, they are in some ways – making a little bit of a a mess um with and you know and I, as you mentioned one of the big reasons henry cavill's leaving is because the 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 writers of the series seem to be going away from the source material and he's a huge fan of the source material and that's one of the reasons that he became part of the show in the first place um is because he loved it and so yeah um i don't i really don't n- I don't know. I feel like they're shooting themselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Like it, the best quote I had to describe it was actually the author himself, uh, Sapkowski, said, "As Vigo Mortensen gave a face to Aragorn, Henry Cavill lent his face to The Witcher. There was no live-action Witcher before Henry Cavill played him. So now, really." in an audience's mind, the two are inseparable. Just like Carrie Fisher was Princess Leia, you know, even though she played other characters, she was forever cast as that person in everyone's mind. And so to have suddenly saying this actor is going to play the Witcher, it's not like Bond where we were willing to go along with it and see different iterations 
The Witcher has been one person and one person only. <laughs> so it, in addition to having it stray from the source material, I think they had struck gold with having Henry play him and having someone play him who loved the source so much. And now they're ruining it and shooting themselves in the foot. <laughs> I think I think you're completely right in saying that. Uh, and and the biggest part of it is, you know, when you have somebody who completely believes in what they're doing, the source material, you know, obviously one of the things that we saw, um, Henry was willing to do anything and everything to make sure that this came to life in, in a way that felt as real and authentic as possible um, from the way he portrayed the character to, you know, everything about just the the general look and feel of the show you know i think he was the biggest proponent of everything being as top notch as it can be which you know i think um is absolutely uh, is absolutely one of the things that that really is a part of the show and you know i i think has set it apart from many of the other things that i have seen recently in fantasy filmmaking uh on television uh, mm-hmm. this show looks great. Uh, and it very rarely looks cheesy or bad. Production-wise? Uh, and production-wise, mm-hmm. yes. 100%. Um, and I think that is pretty incredible because, you know, I've seen... Uh, I've seen a show like you know, the Lord of the Rings show on Amazon or Wheel of Time on Amazon. And it just kind of looks, I, I hate to say it, but it kind of looks like trash. Mm-hmm. You know, comparatively, this show looks like Game of Thrones level for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still some CGI stuff in there that's not perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I think they do this show a real uh sense of justice by creating something that looks great yeah i agree i think the effects look great here and even where there may be places that it was lower budget they hide it well um for example with the creatures i think that they've done all the creature Mm -hmm. animation very well yeah um i mean especially with something like the sandworm or the scorpion that come after siri this season right um my issue here with some of the production was purely just from camera angles and movement. I'm thinking particularly of the fight with the rat rats. I almost said rat pack. <laughs> no, I know what um, you mean. Yeah. yeah. It, yep. it was like a combination of shaky cam and zooming in too quickly. And it just mm-hmm. didn't yeah. feel right to me. Yeah. Um, and then the only other thing that really bothered me, um, really, I guess, wasn't as much production as it was storytelling format. Um, episode five with the storytelling around the back and forth between the party and Geralt and Yennefer in the bedroom talking. It was too much jumping back and forth to me for it mm-hmm. to make sense and feel genuine i think it should have been sure. a reduced number of flashing back and forth did you mm-hmm. feel that way at all i think it was 
an interesting choice. Um, and I think it was fine, but it was not my favorite form of storytelling that they did. I think, you know, it was one of those places where they tried something and I don't think it was as successful as they wanted it to be. But, you know, I, I wasn't like completely thrown off, but I wasn't going to get too upset about it. You know, it did feel like one of those places where, you know, you've got this series and you're trying to create something that um, makes every episode a little bit different. Mm -hmm. uh, and so this is the one that's this is the way they tried to set that one apart. And. Yeah, I, I, I get 100% what you're saying, and, it, and it, I think that you could have found a way to do it maybe better than it was done, um, but I wasn't necessarily, a, I guess, saying I wasn't upset at the, them trying something different. I just think it didn't work as well as they wanted it to. Mm -hmm. So, But I will praise one story point that apparently wasn't in the books that I think was an awesome spot-on ad to the show. And that was Yaskir and Siri getting to have their silly night in where he was sort of her babysitter. Um, because I think I told you after I watched it, him and Siri uh, impersonating Geralt and Yennefer talking yes, in the woods was, was yes. freaking hilarious. Yeah, yeah that was great. <laughs> like especially yes. when she's well, imitating it, Geralt's voice and she's like, do that thing with your tongue that I like. <laughs> yeah. No, I think... You're so right in calling that out because I think it's one of the things that just really made the show great is is by leaning into these relationships that we've, you know, now spent so long with. You know, I think that's the thing. Like, I think that's the thing that I really love is like there's so much about these relationships. It's grown. Um, and I love it. I love how it's grown. I love how um, these characters are getting a chance to interact. And, um, you know, obviously with all the time that they've they've spent with one another now and it's so much fun mm -hmm. like i just um those little moments and again the reason i love the the family moments between you know Geralt and with uh Ciri and Yennefer is it's it it's again it's building off all the stuff that you've done mm -hmm. Uh, before and then moving the characters forward their relationships and everything else i just think is great and so um no i'm right there with you it's like that stuff that's the stuff where it's the reward of having watched the show for this long you know right it's things that you pick up on about characters that you would only know mm -hmm. from being invested in it exactly exactly 100 mm -hmm. so i'm really I, I'm, I'm so interested you know, because of our conversation, because of how we've loved this show before, I'm really interested to to see where you then, uh, you know, land with your ratings of this third season. So I had some really big things I enjoyed about it for sure. I mean, like I said, Yaskier and Siri, the moments with Geralt, Yennefer and Siri being together, um... And then, you know, seeing ultimately where we think Siri is going to go with her story. Um, but there were a few things that did bother me about the storytelling format or the camera angles. Um, and ultimately then not having Henry to carry it on. So I felt like this season was a little weaker than the previous ones. 
um, although there were some things I enjoyed. So I end up giving it a three and a half out of five um, desert scorpions because it does have some good meat to it and potential and it just kind of didn't do what they wanted it to do for me. So how did you feel about it? I think that I'm I'm similar to you uh, in the sense that I think that it's it's a good season, but it's not a great season. I think one of the reasons that I can't really call it great, I feel like a lot of the way in, in which the season, it's so, there's just so much happening, honestly. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much going on in this season. Uh, and it, and I find it, in all honesty, I find it kind of difficult to, to be, uh, invested in what's happening because there's so many different plot threads that are happening. Um, and it's hard for me to necessarily keep track of all of it. And all, all honesty, that's one of my biggest complaints about this season, uh, is that I'm having a hard time with keeping track of it all um Mm -hmm. and you know maybe that makes me an idiot i don't know um and i'm okay with that but it's just there's so many people there's so many countries that there's so many different things that are happening in the season i'm i i felt like the whole time i'm struggling to to keep up and that's hard you know um and and and, uh, and the reason I personally responded so much to just the storyline with our our three uh, you know main characters is because uh, and their relationship the, the the is because that's where the importance of the show really rests anyway. It is their story. It is their relationships that really make this story what we're really here for, right? Um, and, you know, otherwise, I, I feel like I'm just kind of... Uh, I'm I'm not as invested because uh, I'm having, you know, honestly, just trouble uh, keeping up with the storyline. Mm-hmm. Um and that makes it hard in some ways to to be as invested as I need to be in this whole show because um, I just I can't remember what's going on where and why and I you know and who's Vilga so, and <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly is a hundred percent it's it's really what it is um, and so uh, I I think it's a good season I don't think it's a great season I'm probably going to give this. Um, I'm going to give this three out of five. Uh, and, you know, uh, now that we're in the place we're in, you know, I just I don't know how and if and when I'm going to feel about, uh, you know, the series. Uh, you know, I honestly don't know mm-hmm. um, when it comes back. Uh, and that's kind of frustrating that I feel that way. Um and I wish that that was not the case because, you know, I think that this this show was one that was, you know, for the most part, the production value was solid. The characters were were really interesting. I was very much enjoying the the show uh, and everything that they were doing. And now I'm you know, you're just 
I don't know. It's really tough to be in a place where I'm like, I don't really know if I'm even going to watch this show anymore. And, and that's frustrating because, you know, I enjoy good fantasy shows. And as I've mentioned, it's really difficult, in all honesty, to find a good fantasy show these days because uh, so many of them are not great and not doing um, awesome things. So, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, but... um. Chrissy, if people wanted to catch up with you and, of course, you know, see what else you've got going on these days, where would they find you? You can find me on Letterboxd, Instagram, and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And, of course, if you want to talk to me on Facebook, uh, I appear sometimes in the Babel Conference. And then I did a show on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network called Sabers and Spells with my friends Amanda and Teresa, if you want to go listen to that. But what about you? Well, uh, you could find me all over the place under the moniker Matt Rushing02 on social media. You can also find me, of course, here on the network on many different shows. Uh, one is called Literary Treks. The other is The Orb. We've got Warp 5, The Artificial Tango, and Saddle Up. Uh, you can also find me on the Nerd Party Network with two different shows. One is called Owl Posts, where I talked about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series one chapter at a time. And then last but not least, you can find me on Aggressive Negotiations with John Mills, talking about Star Wars each and every week. But thank you so much for joining us. And, hmm, you hear? <laughs> Thank you.